So this is a back to school for the Andover Public Schools this week and many others in the area, which means it's the end of vacation season. And vacations are great to get away and to, uh, to enjoy different things. But I don't know if you've ever had the experience where you go on vacation, you get back, you're more tired than when you left. Anybody have that? I, we had one recently. We had a, a great plan to go camping as a family, and we were staying on an island off the coast of Maine, and there's lots of beaches, and uh, so sand, and swimming, and just hot sun, and it was just going to be great. My daughter broke her arm the week before. The doctor said, no sand, no swimming, no hot weather. We went anyway, but it was a tough one. We got back. We were exhausted. And, but I thought to myself, I said, it doesn't matter. If she had been, if she was, we would have been tired anyway. Every day of my life, just about, at the end of the day, I get tired and I fall asleep. Tiredness is just part of the human condition. I don't think we should feel guilty about that. It's just, it's just how we are wired to need, we need our sleep, we need rest. But there's a step, so we're not talking about tiredness today. We're talking about a step beyond tiredness, and you may have felt this. It's, it's weariness. It's when you feel beat up or burned out, and I'm just going to call it defeat. And defeat, we can feel defeat in areas of our life in, in a number of different ways. There's job defeat. Maybe you're stuck in a job with a horrible boss or a difficult coworker or a project that just isn't, isn't working or it just... But you, and you love to change your job, maybe, but there's too much at risk, and you need your income and support your family. It's just, you just feel defeated every day when you go to work. There's financial defeat. Financial defeat comes when you, are, you know that you need to be paying down your debt, and you need to be saving money, and you're almost reaching your financial goals, and both cars break down, and you need a root canal, and there's a tax bill you weren't expecting, and the hot water. And, and that, those things happened to me once, but the, the, all at once, and that's the thing, it's okay, so I had this rainy day thing, and it rained real, real hard. You just feel defeated after all the work. There's child defeat, where you have a child who you are raising and nurturing, and it's just, you've, you've all the parenting tricks and all the tips and books you've read, and you just can't extend their ex attention span, and you can't help them get ahead and you just feel defeated or maybe an adult child who you've nurtured and cared for over the years and is making horrible decisions and is ruining their life in spite of all the love and nurture they've been given you just feel defeated there's other types of family defeat where there's discord and old hurts and old conflicts that just keep coming up and it's just there's a wedge between family members and unity seems just there's marriage defeat. This union that's supposed to be so nurturing and beautiful and good has just become everything but that. Or it's become one-sided. And even with the counseling and even with help, it's just not working. And it just feels defeating. So our question this morning is, where is God in the midst of defeat? That's where God's people were at as we read this passage. This passage this very comforting passage, it was spoken to people who were going to be defeated. That's Isaiah chapter 39, is Isaiah the prophet saying, look, the, the Babylonians are coming, and they're going to lay waste to everything. They're going to take everything. You'll be displaced from your land. There'll be peace. 
for a little while during Hezekiah the king. During his lifetime, there'll be some peace, but it's coming. And it's certain. And it's not going to be good. And, and it's, it's interesting as you read, if you've been reading through the prophet Isaiah, a lot of warning. There's been a lot of judgment you're reading through. God's salvation and his grace is sort of whispered into all this judgment. You turn the page from chapter 39 to chapter 40, and now it's God's salvation is being shouted out, and the judgment is more the whisper behind. Because it's coming. It's certain. There's no avoiding it, but God's grace is, is the prominent theme. It's, it's, the main, it's, it, it's the main thrust at this point. And, and they, but the people are going to get to a point where they really start to question God's goodness. Uh, look at verse 27. The message is this. Why do you complain, Jacob, and why do you say, Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. They're saying, you know, um, God's forgot about me. Or God's at work, maybe, but my problems are just seem to be too small for God. Or he's just, I, I'm just not on God's cosmic radar. And that's, that, that's that defeat moment. And that's the temptation is to, to think that God has forgot us. And, but here comes this message of comfort. How, what is going to motivate God's people to continue to be his people, continue to trust in the midst of defeat? And the answer is simple. It's God's grace. It's God's undeserved grace. And when people can see God's undeserved grace extended to them, they, they can then respond to God with the, all their heart and all their faith because they, they have been given something so precious. Two things I want to focus on, two aspects of God's grace that, uh, that can help us to, to continue to, to trust and to continue to follow God in the midst of defeat. Two things. One is comfort, and the second is strength. And I just want to look at each of those this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I believe, Lord, that what we're about to look at in your word has the power to change us and to change our hearts, Lord. So I pray that you would give us the faith to trust your goodness, that whatever hinders us, whatever sin entangles us, Lord, that we might throw it off and run with faith and perseverance the course that you've marked out for us in your goodness. May that be, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first aspect of God's grace in the midst of defeat is comfort. It, this is how this starts. Comfort. Comfort my people. And again, in, in, in the ancient world, they didn't have bold face or underline or even punctuation marks. They, to be emphatic, you just have to repeat it. Comfort. Comfort. In the language here is about speaking to the heart and speaking tenderly and encouragement. God knows that his people need this encouragement. What is the basis of the encouragement? Verse 2, your sins have been paid for. And when we get in those defeated places, we can often think, you know what? I've just screwed up too many times. Whatever this thing is, it's really, maybe it's not all my fault, but maybe it's a lot my fault. And I just... My sin is too much. And God is saying, no, that's not the case. Actually, your sin isn't too much for me. Your sin has been paid and more than paid for. Now, we learn later in chapter 53, as Pastor Greg Pack a couple weeks ago, that it's 
the suffering servant comes and pays that price for us. So we learn what that, and we know Jesus is that suffering servant. We learn the basis of our salvation and our forgiveness. But here, it's just the promise. Listen, your sins are, are fully paid for. And there's two voices crying out here. Look at verse 3. There's a voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So you, you're going into exile, people of God, into Babylon, and, and it's, it's not good, but it's not because your God isn't strong enough. It's not because your God couldn't stop it. There was, it was because of sin, and this is a punishment, and this is a season of trial, but, but God's coming to save you. And just in the ancient world, they would, when there was a uh, king visiting and you had a, or a special dignitary, you would level out the roads. You would take down the hills and fill the potholes and make a nice smooth path and be ready for that king to come. And that's the image here. The way is being prepared. There's a season of refining, but the blessing of the king's presence, it is coming. So it's no surprise to us that Many years later, as we read the New Testament, John the Baptist, as he's preparing for Jesus' coming to this world, uses the same language. He quotes Isaiah. He said, this is a voice of one calling out. We prepare the way for the Lord, that the Lord's salvation will be known in fullness, that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the ultimate king, is coming. Make ready your hearts. Make ready this world for this great king. So he's coming. So be comforted. Also, another voice crying out. Look at verse 6. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry? Here's the answer. All people are like grass. All their faithfulness like the flowers of the field. The grass withers. The flowers fall. Because the breath of the Lord blows on them, surely people are grass. The grass withers. The flowers fall. But the word of our God endures forever. The comfort here is that there is something that is steady. Because there is so much that is not steady that we as people it are really, we wither and we fade. Uh, careers fade. Health fades. Death is a reality. A divorce happens. Even families change and families become empty nested. Or they, there, There's all these things that are not permanent. But what doesn't fail is God's word his promises, his way, it is sure and certain. In the midst of whatever defeat you, you have, we cling to the comfort that God, is, that God is unchanging and that his purposes will be fulfilled. And God's word does not change. Of course, we, we hear God's voice and his word in, his, in the Holy Scriptures, his word that we have to, to read and to feast on. There was the 18th century French philosopher, Voltaire, who was a critic of Christianity. He, was, uh, he, he once said, I'll quote him, he said, Our Christian religion is assuredly the most ridiculous, the most absurd, and the most bloody religion which has ever infected this world. And he made a bold prediction. He said within 100 years of his lifetime, that the Bible will be forgotten. It will no longer even be in print or of any use to people. It, was, uh, it would go out of circulation altogether. The reality is, within 100 years of his death, one of his residents that he lived in was used as a, a depository for Bibles. 
for a Bible society, and they were essentially selling Bibles from his, his former residence. His quotes and his philosophy is fading, but the word of the Lord continued on. And today, the word of the Lord stands forever. That's comfort to us. In the midst of the feet, your sins are, look, it's, your sins can be paid for. They will be paid for. And in God's word and his way continues on. That's your comfort. But when we're in that point of defeat, you need more than comfort. That's where the second thing here, we need strength. Not just comfort, but strength. Where does the strength come from? The strength comes from God. It comes from God, the creator. In a world where the other nations were worshiping the creation, God says, don't forget who I am. Look, let me just read these again, starting at verse 25. To whom will you compare me? Who's my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes, look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them forth each of them by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob, and why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. The same God that made all the universe and put all the stars in their place is the, is the God who wants to share that strength with you. So don't say, oh, I, you know, I'm too small for God, and I, he disregarded me. It's like, no, no, no. No. That God desires to give you strength. The strength comes as we wait on the Lord, or as we hope in the Lord as it's translated here. It's really just the word to wait. Verse 30. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord wait in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And remember that the eagle is not flying, does not fly under its own strength. It, it locks out the wings and is lifted by the air and rests on that and is, is, is lifted high. It's a beautiful image of, of a bird flying. It, not all birds flying is beautiful. Have you ever seen a turkey fly? Turkeys fly. They fly quite well. We see them in our neighborhood. They're all over town. The turkeys are everywhere. And they mostly prefer to walk. And when you see them fly, you realize, oh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> and they flap. And they roost high up in trees. I don't know if you've ever seen it. But it's a lot of work to get that turkey off the ground and into the air. And it, it looks silly. They even, at the Topsfield Fair, they do a chicken flying contest. Has anybody ever seen the chicken flying contest at the Topsfield Fair? Put your hand, no, none of you have seen the chicken contest? What is, thank you, one person. <laughs> Carrie, what's wrong with the rest of these people? I don't know. Listen, the top, this is bonus material, but the Topsfield Fair is coming up. Get the schedule of events, find the chicken flying contest. It's popular, and it's a good time. Huge crowd, you can hardly, hardly get a spot, go early. What they do is anybody can enter this thing with a chicken, and you take your chicken, and you, you do like this, you, you, you don't throw the chicken, but you help the chicken fly. So they, you just you gently help the chicken to fly, and it goes 13 feet, and they measure it, and, the, and it slaps like crazy, and the feathers everywhere, and it lands. The next person, okay, 
eight feet. The next one helps it 15 feet. And it's, people gather to see this. And it's, it, it's very entertaining. It's not, it's, uh, it's not pretty to watch. Now, here's, I'm going to spoil it for you, too. In the middle of a contest, they always have somebody take a duck. And they're holding the duck. And it looks like everyone else. And it's crowded. They take the duck and they throw it, and the duck just goes, pew, it takes off. And everybody, look at the chicken go. And then you realize, you know, it's quacking. And like, oh, yeah, that's a duck. Everybody laughs. And then they continue with the real contest, which is chickens flying. So um, this draws a crowd, people. You're so out of touch. Here's my question. In your Christian faith, you're following Jesus. You're going through your life. God made you. And you're trying to figure this out. Do you feel more like a, a turkey? or more like an eagle. Because the hope here and the comfort to us is that we can fly not like turkeys, but we can fly like eagles. Wings locked out. Do, are you riding the wind of the Holy Spirit? Do you feel it lifting you, uh, lifting you up into the sky? And eagles will fly just before storms. Other animals will kind of scatter and, and eagles don't mind storms because it means more wind and, and, and more soaring. And eventually they'll nest, but... Um, or does it feel like life is more like, I'm just flapping and flapping and flapping, and I'm asking God to bless this effort that I'm putting in, or are you just resting on Him? That's the image, waiting on the Lord. And the Hebrew word is very simple, it just means wait. But, and it's a basic word, but when the scriptures were tr first translated into the Greek language, the word they chose was the word wait or hope. And it's, it's much more about not waiting, sitting there, but it's about expectation. It's about confidence. It's about enduring. That's the same word that's used in Romans, as Paul is writing in Romans 12, where he says, Be joyful in hope, patient, enduring in affliction, faithful in prayer. It's the same idea when the Apostle Paul is writing his famous love chapter, and he says, love bears all things, and believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Same word. It's the same word that James uses in his letter, James chapter 1. He says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love. It's the same word that the writer of Hebrews uses in chapter 12 when he says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured, same word, such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We, we look to Jesus. Jesus endured the cross for us. He came. He gave up his heavenly throne. He came to walk and he came to serve and he came to give his life as a, as a payment for our sin. And he endured that and he was victorious over it. And we, our call now is to wait on him. He's accomplished it all. We just wait and we are hopeful and patient to him in the midst of our defeat that he is stronger, that he is great, that it's the strength of the creator of the universe is the strength for us. So we don't need to say, why has God forgotten me? Why is my way hidden from him? And, and again, we don't know, we don't dictate the terms of how things turn out in life, how it turns out with a child or with a marriage. We don't dictate those terms, but 
we hold confident hope that God is in control. That's what keeps us going. That's motivation. God's comfort and God's, and, and, and God's strength. Strength to the weary. Power to the weak. Jesus accomplished it all, and we are left to wait in it and wait on him. Let me hear these words again. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. And even youth grow tired and weary. Young men will stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Hallelujah. Amen.